Exodus chapter 3. Uh, flying is not a word that I want to hear right now. Um, I, it's not something that I want to do. Uh, if there's one thing that uh, myself and I think Pastor would agree this past week is, is that many times when you have a plan, uh, oftentimes that plan will fail. And it kind of seems like the past two weeks have been Pastor and I making a plan for something to happen and then that plan failing or something going wrong and then us having to adapt to the situation. And Because oftentimes when you have a plan for something, when you, when you plan something out, doesn't matter how far ahead you plan it out, oftentimes that plan fails. Uh, two weeks ago, we tried to pick Gabby up from the airport. And uh, we, we get to the airport, she was supposed to land uh, later in the evening, and so we get there, and all of a sudden we find out her flight has been delayed. And she's in the air, like we know she's flying, but she's not landing at the same time she was before. And so what happened was she started her day in, in uh, Richmond, uh, Virginia, so she flies to Chicago, has an eight-hour layover in Chicago, then she flies to Sioux Falls, and this is where it gets interesting. She flies around, the plane flies around Sioux Falls a couple of times, and she can't land because the weather is too bad. I don't, I don't understand why it was too bad, but it was too bad, she couldn't land, so then they fly to uh, Sioux City, they land in Sioux City, and like ten minutes later, the weather has not changed at all. Ten minutes later, they take off again. They fly back to Sioux Falls, fly around Sioux Falls a couple more times, and then they decide, oh, we can't land again. Surprise, it's only been ten minutes. So they, uh, they fly to Omaha, and they land in Omaha for like a half an hour, and then finally they fly back, and uh, they land in Sioux Falls, and she ended up being, uh, it was like four hours later than we originally planned, because every time, no matter how much you plan for, your plan somehow or another will fail. But I'm thankful that we serve a God whose plans never fail. Amen. Like they, they don't mess up. God, when God's planning something, God doesn't mess up. God doesn't look at the airline schedule and mess it up. Like God's plan never fails. Ever. In, in Exodus, we're, we're introduced to this character that most of us are familiar with. His name is Moses. And Moses, he was a Hebrew boy, and during this time, the, the Hebrews, uh, when Moses was first born, the Pharaoh of Egypt, because Israel, they're in Egypt, they're slaves in Egypt, and Pharaoh, he starts to get threatened by the, the people of Israel. And so what Pharaoh does is he makes this rule, this law, that anyone, any baby, any Hebrew baby is to be killed. Like the, 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 the Egyptian soldiers are to go into the house and they're to kill any babies, any Hebrew babies that they find. And so what Moses' mom does is he, she takes Moses and she hides him. And she hides him for about three months until she can't hide him anymore. And, and you know how babies are, they start crying. And so when the soldiers would come, she'd be worried that, uh, guarantee she'd be worried that, that Moses was going to start crying. And so what she decides to do, the Bible says that they take an ark, they, they built an ark, and they take Moses and they put him in this little ark, uh, it would probably look something like a crib, and they put him in it and they send him down a river. And the next thing we know in this story of Moses is Pharaoh's daughter picks him up out of the river, and Pharaoh's daughter raises him. He grows up in Pharaoh's house. Now, imagine being Moses. You're a Hebrew boy growing up in an Egyptian home. So the Egyptians that you're living with know that you're a Hebrew. And they don't like the people of Israel. That's why they're beaten. That's why they're whipped. That's why they're building Egypt's pyramids for them. Like, Egypt, Egyptians didn't like Israel. 
And then he's also got the fact that he's a Hebrew living in an Egyptian house. So he's, he's getting all of the blessings that Pharaoh has. And the people of Israel are looking at him like, oh my goodness, like, what do you do? You're just, you're, you're living off of the, the Egyptian people. So Israel probably didn't like him very much. And the Egyptians probably didn't like him very much. And so Moses is in this place in his life where he's got to make a choice. And what, he did, what the Bible says he decides to do is he decides to, decides to suffer with the children of Israel rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so what the story says is that Moses one day, he sees this, this uh, Egyptian guard beating a Hebrew person. And so what Moses does is the Bible says he looks to his left he looks to his right, he makes sure nobody's watching, and he walks up to the Egyptian guard, and he kills him. Murders him. And, and then he throws him in the sand, he buries his body, rivers it up. Now, I, I laugh, laugh at people when they say that that wasn't fun, exciting, because this is something that you see on like a MTV show. Like, this is what we watch on TV, and it's in the Bible. Like, this is what Moses did. He kills someone, and he throws body in the body, and then he buries him. And a couple days later, Moses finds out that everybody knows. And Moses is like, well, now what do I do? Because not only did Moses kill someone, now he's a fugitive. And, and Pharaoh is angry, and so he sends his guards out to, to kill Moses. And so Moses has to run for his life. And he ends up going to this place, um, he ends up going to this place called, uh, it's called Midian. He ends up in Midian. He ends up getting married. He starts a family. He takes jobs as a shepherd. And in my mind, as I'm reading this story, Moses is probably thinking, like, this is, this is the rest of my life. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in Midian as a shepherd, just raising my family like this. This is my life from now on. I wonder if if you've been in a place of that in your life where your, whether it be to make or whether it just be the way, the way that life takes you ends in a place where you are like, this is, this, this is the rest of life. I'm going to spend the rest of life in blank. That's where Moses is. Like this, Moses, like this is the rest of my life. But as we read the story, and as we learn a little bit more about Moses, we see that God had a plan. God had a plan to use Moses, even when Moses didn't want to be used. And I'm, I'm excited about this, because we serve a God that, that, that wants you to use us, no matter what we've done, no, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've been involved in, that the God of the Bible is, is the God that wants to use us. Why? Because, because he's got a plan. But the, the question is, are you going to let him work it? Are you going to let God work out his plan in your life? It's a choice that we have to make. Are you going to allow God to work through you? And in Exodus chapter 3, this is where we pick up Moses' life. We're going to start reading in verse number 7. Verse number 7 says this. 
So Moses, if you're not familiar with this passage, Moses, he sees this burning bush, right? And it's just curiosity. He's, he's like, he, he sees the burning bush, but burning bush, the Bible says, isn't being consumed. And so Moses, he looks over, he sees burning bush, and so he walks over to this burning bush, and the Lord, the, the, the voice of the Lord comes out of this burning bush. And we, be, we begin this conversation between God and Moses. And in verse, verse number seven, and then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of the people which are in Egypt and have heard, heard cry by, by reason their taskmasters. taskmasters. For I know their sorrows and I come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and a ridge unto the, the unto the land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the, the Perizzites and the and the Mosquito Bites and all those other ones and the and the Jebites. Now, now, behold, the cry of children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression with the Egyptians. See, God introduces this system that he has to Moses. And the first thing that we see in this passage is that when God has a plan, when God has a plan, that plan is going to be amazing. When God has a plan, that plan's not going to fail. It's going to be an awesome plan. See, what we, a lot of times what we're getting is that Israel has been in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years at this point. They're beaten, they're abused, they're building things for the Egyptians like this is their life. And their identity isn't found in the God. Their identity is told to them by the Egyptians. Like, the Egyptians say, if you can't build, then you are nothing. If you can't do the work that we're telling you to do, then you are worth nothing. And then this is the, the, the narrative that they're fed all the time. Like they're abused, they're beaten. And so what they begin to do, they begin to call on God for their, their deliverance. They begin to pray, they begin to cry unto God and say, God, please deliver us out of the land. God, please save us. Please get us out of this land. And you know what the Bible says in verse number seven? God heard their cries. I think it's funny when people tell them the God of the Old Testament isn't the same God as the God of the New Testament. Because people say, oh, God of the New Testament, or the Old Testament, is a God of judgment. He's a God that, that is hateful. He's a God that's constantly just oppressing his people. But no, no, the I see in the Old Testament is the God that when his people cry, he hears them. David, David said he inclines his ear unto them. He's a God that hears the prayers of his children. Listen, in the dark, dark places in their life. In their worst places, places where they never thought they would end up. Like, like the children of Israel didn't think that they would end up slaves in Egypt. They're in the places, one of the darkest places of their nation's history, and God hears them. See, the God of the Bible is the God that in the middle of your pain says, hey, I know what you're going through. The Jesus that we serve is the Jesus that in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your trial, says, hey, hey, I've been mocked. 
just like you're being mocked. I've been through the pain that you're going through. I was tempted in all points, like as you, as you are. I know exactly what you, you are going through. But just like I was with Shaq, Meshach, and Abednego, just like I was with Daniel and the lion's den, just like I was with Paul when, when he was in prison, I, I am with you. <laughs> That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that we get to serve. God reminds us that we're not going through anything alone because that's not his plan. His plan isn't that we go through anything alone. And then God introduces his plan in verse 8 to Moses. Verse number 8. He says, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, Moses, hey, here's what I'm going to do. You know those people that you were trying to protect when you were back in Egypt? You know the people that you know they are your people. You know that you are Hebrew. Those people, your people, I'm going to deliver them out of the land of Egypt because I've heard their cries, because I've listened to them. And so, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to get Israel of the land of Egypt, but I'm not just going to stop there. I'm going to get Israel out of Egypt, but I'm going to deliver them to another land. I'm going to deliver them to a land flowing with milk and honey. That means I'm going to deliver them to a land where they have cattle, where they have milk, where, 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 there's, where there's enough uh, plant life in order for bees to produce honey. Like, I'm going to deliver them to a place that is like paradise. That's where I'm going to deliver my people to. I'm going to deliver them out of Egypt. I'm also going to deliver them into this amazing land. And what's, what's amazing is that just like God had this amazing plan for Israel, God has amazing plans for each and every one of us. Like, God's plan for you is that your, your marriage is reconciled, that it's, it's back together. God's plan for you is that you get victory over that sin that you have been destroyed for years. God's plan for you is that you share the God with that coworker, even though you are uncomfortable in it. God's plan for God, God has these amazing plans. God for you is to love that person that you don't want to love. God has these amazing plans. He's got these amazing, really miracles that He wants to work just like He wanted to do in the land of Egypt. It may not be as visual as they were in, 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 for Israel, but they're miracles nonetheless. God has plans. God has this, these amazing plans for us. The problem is, are we going to let him do it? Are we going to allow God to work those plans that he has through us? Because God's saying all of these things, and I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I picked pictures. I saw, I saw a video the other day of this woman. who was He used all of her dog's favorite words in a sentence, right? And then how many of you guys have a dog in here? So you see your hand, hands. Okay, so you know, like when you say the dog or walk, like your dog goes nuts, right? And so they figured out her dog, her dog's favorite words. 
And so she, she said, we're going to go for a walk, and then I'm going to go to the park, and then I'm going to get a new toy. And the dog is, like, going nuts. Like, his ears are going up. He's wagging his tail. He's running around the house. He's barking. And, and for some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, but when I saw that video this week, I, I thought about Moses. Like, when God is saying these things, Moses, I mean, he's patriotic. He killed an Egyptian because, because he was beating up a he person. I mean, I guarantee Moses, he's getting excited. Like, God, you're going to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. You are going to do this amazing thing. Like, you're going to deliver my people to a land filled with milk and honey. Like, God, this is going to be amazing. But then we get to verse 10. God says this. He says, come now, therefore, and I will send thee, thee unto Pharaoh, that thou must bring forth me out of Egypt. And all, and all of a sudden, I, I can feel Moses' countenance kind of change. It was exciting when God was like, hey, I'm going to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. I'm going to deliver them to a land filled and flowing milk and honey. I'm going to do amazing things. And Moses was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then God's land becomes personal. Like now, now God's plan affects Moses' life. And now Moses is kind of forced to get out of his comfort a little bit. Moses realizes he's not going to get to stay in the midden for very much longer if he follows God's plan. He's not going to get this comfortable life living as a shepherd for very longer. And if you're reading this story for the first time, you're kind of thinking this in the same thing that this is thinking. Like, God, God, God. But Moses. The, the Hebrew that lived in Pharaoh's in, in house. Moses, the, the guy that, that, that killed someone, like a church earlier. Moses, the guy that. A couple of days after he kills someone, he tries to interrupt the fight between two Hebrew people. And they say, Moses, who made you the boss? Moses, the guy who is a fugitive from Pharaoh. This shepherd man who's living in the middle of nowhere. God, that's the one that you want to use? God, are you sure you want to use that guy? Almost like, like we serve a God that uses the unlikely. Huh. Almost like we serve a God that, that uses people that we don't always think they can be used. Kind of like he did when he got shepherd boy. The one that nobody wanted, the one his father sent him out to the field. And when, and when the, 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 the prophet came, he brought all his sons except for one. And God said, nope, don't want that one, don't want that one, don't want that one. And the prophet said, hey, do you have any evidence? And they said, well, we have it. But he's out on the field. He can't be He's a shepherd. And God said, no, that's the one that I want. Kind of like he did when he took a Pharisee. And Saul. And he changed his name to Paul and the best Christian to ever live. Or, or, or when, he, when God himself came to this not as a king as a carpenter not as a master but as a servant why? because God uses the unlikely 
just like I can to use Moses. So we see that when God has a plan, that plan is going to be amazing. But that leads us to our second point, because God finishes telling Moses, and Moses says this, verse number 11. Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh. That I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know what Moses says? Like, I can't do that. Why? Because when God has a plan, the plan is going to be too big for you. When God has a plan, that plan is going to be too big for you. Because Moses says, hey, God, I, I know that you have this plan, and I love it, it's awesome, and, and I, I'd like to be involved with it, but the problem is, God, I can't. I can't do it. I, I can't deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses and God go back and forth for another chapter. Moses is, is arguing. With the creator of the universe. How ridiculous is this? Like, so it's back and forth with God. And in verse number 13, well, well okay, God, okay, God, I go there, and then they ask, who sent me? What am I supposed to say? God, if they ask me, why am I here? Who am I supposed to say, sent me? And then in verse number, or chapter 4, verse number 1, he says, God, if they tell them that, I'm not going to leave me. And then in verse 10, he says, God, I'm not good at predicting to people. And then in verse number, chapter 4, number, number, chapter four number, verse number 13, he says, God, please send someone else. Like Moses is whining right now because he doesn't, doesn't want to go. He continued to come up reason after reason after reason of why he is inadequate. Why he can't do it. And we see the same thing from the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and six, four through 6, the Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, this is Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before I came forth out of womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah singing, Ah, Lord God, I cannot seek, for I am a child. Jeremiah says, God, I can't do it. I can't. It wasn't that Moses didn't like God's plan. It wasn't that Moses wasn't excited about it. It wasn't that Moses hated the children of Israel. It was the fact that he was the one that had to go do it. I mean, he was an orphan. He was a murderer. He was hated. hated. He, he had a problem with his speech. His thoughts were, God can't use me. Have you ever been in that place that is at? Like, you, you, you make God's plan to get victory over temptation. You like the idea of it, but you're like, God, I can't. You like the idea of your marriage being 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 right, like you being right with yourself again. But you're like, I can't do it. Like we argue all the time. I can't. You like the idea of sharing the gospel with the person at work, but God, I can't. I can't do it. 
And a lot of times, we like God's plan. We like the idea of God's plan, but the moment that God's plan becomes personal, no, 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 I can't do that. And this is where Moses finds himself. And we look at Moses and we say, Moses, you're so dumb. Like you're talking to the creator, the creator of the universe has a plan for you, and you don't want to do it? Moses, that's, that's, that's dumb. But we do the same thing. Every time that you look at God's plan for your life, you say, hey, I do that. You're doing the same thing that Moses is doing. And God says, hey, I want you to teach in that Sunday school class. And you say, no, I, I can't do that. I'm not talking in front of people. When God says, hey, I want you to go to Bible college, and you say, no, God, I have, I have other plans. For it. I, I, I want to make money. I want to do all these other things. I, it doesn't matter how old you, you are. If God says, hey, I want you to Bible college. I want you to learn more about me. I want you to learn how to preach. Many times we're like, no, God, I can't. I can't do it. Why? Why, why is that on my mindset? The reason that that was Moses' mindset is because Moses was so focused on what he could do. Moses, look at every time Moses makes an excuse. Moses says, God, I, I can't. He says, who am I that I should go to deliver the, the people out of Egypt? He, he says, God, I can't speak well. He says, who, who, what am I supposed to say when they ask me who sent me? God, what am I supposed to do? God, how am I supposed to? God, what am I supposed to do? And he it says, I, I, me, me, over and over, over and over again, because Moses is so focused on what he can do. That's Moses' focus. He is so focused on himself. But I love this, because God has a plan. When God has a plan, he's not worried about what we can do. He's not worried about what Nick can do. He's not worried about what Pastor Yoder or Pastor Forsberg can do. He's not worried about whatever any of us can do. He's not worried about that. He's not worried about what we can what we can do. Because look at verse number 12. Look what God says. I love it. Look what is in verse number 12. He says, God speaking to Moses, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking like, this is the time. Like we've all seen in the movies. This is the time where we go into the locker room and the coach comes in and he gives an amazing pep talk. He's like, he's like, you guys can do it. We're going into the second half. You've got this. You're, you're on top of it. You're winning the game. You can do this. And I'm like, no, Moses, you can do it. You're awesome. You're great. And I'm, and I'm expecting him to be like, like, like the, the, the preachers in America now. Where they're like, no, you, this is like you. You've got this. You can do it. You, you're the best. You're awesome. But that's what God says. Because Moses is like, how am I supposed to deliver people out of Egypt? I can't speak. God, what am I supposed to do? He said, Moses, I'm not worried about you. Moses, this isn't about what you can do. Moses, this isn't about your skill. This isn't about your talent. This isn't about anything that you have. Moses, this is about me. It's not about you, Moses. 
look what God says. Because Moses, he says, who am I that I should deliver the people out of Egypt? And God doesn't say, you're nobody. God doesn't say, you're just a shepherd. God basically ignores, uh, not answers this question, but he takes a route that Moses is expecting him to go. He goes, Moses, I'm going to be with you. As if to say, Moses says, I know. Moses says, I know that, that you can't do it. I know that you can't deliver the people out of Egypt. Moses, I know that they're going to ask you questions that are uncomfortable. Moses says, I know that, that you can't speak well. I know. And what's interesting about God in this path and is that when Moses tells God all these things, God has never, never. Moses says, God, who am I that I should deliver the people out of Egypt? And God doesn't say, oh, man. I forgot. You're just a shepherd. You can't, you know, oh, man, I got to get the other guy. I got I to gotta go back. I got to find somebody else in the media. No, that's not what God says. Because no, no Moses is going to go with you. When, when Moses says, God, they're going to ask me who sent me. What am, what am I supposed to say? God doesn't say, oh, I forgot to write a script. Oh, this is bad. I'll be back. No, no, this is no. Just tell him I, I am sent you. <laughs> when Moses says, I, I, I can't speak, God doesn't say, oh, that, that's not me. That's bad. No, God says, Moses, I'm the one that created your mouth. Your mouth will do, do what I want it to do. God's never surprised. And, and this, this is why this is why Paul, Paul was, was talking about how he's not worthy to be an, be an apostle. Paul's talking in Second Corinthians or First Corinthians 15 about how he's not worthy about he, he was he was a persecutor of the church. And he says this by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul says it's not about what I do. It's not about the talent that I had. It's not about the change that I did myself. It's not about the, the, the religious background that I had. No, it's by the grace of God and that I am what I am. God's trying to get Moses to understand that Moses, it is not about you. Because our God it's the God that says, I know you're weak. It's the kind of God that says, I know you can't conquer that temptation on your own. God says, hey, without me, I know that you're going to fall into sin. It's God that says, I know that you're not good enough. But that's what I'm here. That's why I came. And that's the gospel. The fact that, look, if you don't understand this, you can't can't get Do we understand that we can't get to heaven on our own? That that, that we are so lost in sin, there is no possible way we could do enough good works that we could get to heaven by ourselves. We we understand. And we understand that salvation is putting our faith in Jesus and trusting his death and resurrection payment for our hearts because we couldn't do it on our own. And we understand that for salvation, but we don't understand that for sanctification. We don't understand that God's not only the one that saves us, he's the one that c- continues to do the work in us to sanctify. 
Because it's not about us. Just like it wasn't about Moses. Paul says in 2 Corinthians again, he, he says, and he said, this is when, when Paul was talking about the thorn in the flesh. So how he, he, he went to God a couple times and asked him, God, please take this thorn in the flesh away. And he says, Jesus says to him, he says, my, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly there, this is Paul speaking again, and will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, God is the God that says, hey, I know you're weak. I know you can't do it. I know that by yourself, you can't do blank. But that's why I'm here, because it's in your weakness that I get to show off my strength. It's when you're weak that I get to make you strong. So often in our lives, we live like Moses. We see the things that God wants us to do. We see God's plan for how we should treat our spouse. But then we think about it, and we're like, ah, I could never do that. We see in Scripture God's plan to share the gospel. But when the Holy Spirit confronts us about it, we say, no, I couldn't do that. We see God's plan to love people that hate us and then abuse us. But we think, I, I couldn't do that. I, I could never love somebody that, that hates me as much as that person does. I know. God doesn't give us a phony pep talk. God doesn't try, try to tell us what he can because we can't. He can. Because it's all about him. I love what I heard one preacher say recently. He said, God doesn't send you anywhere. God goes with you everywhere. So when God asks you to do something, it's not that he's sending you into this battle and alone. No, 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 there's no, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to do it through you. I'm, I'm not asking you to do it because I'm the one that's going to do it. Not you. The problem is, many of us, we're trying to complete God's plan on our own. There's not really any room for God to get involved. We have, we have consumed our life with doing what we wouldn't do. Trying to fix our marriage by ourselves. Trying to get victory over that sin on our own. Trying to, to share the gospel with that person by ourselves. And when we found the hard way that we can't do it. And then, and then you get discouraged. And then you want to make up. And then you feel you feel like you are a failure as a Christian. When in reality, if you would just let God do it, 
If you give the whole situation to God and say, God, I can't do it, you can, so can you do it? With It takes humility. It takes, it takes you saying, God, I'm not good enough, but you are. And that's what I was trying to get Moses to understand. Said morning because I love this because two messages, these two messages they they they, they go together. Like what I just said this morning is God your pilot or your co-pilot? Because if he's your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. I love. It. Because if you're the one trying to do God's plan, it'll fit. Just like if Moses would have tried to deliver the people of Israel on our own, he's right. He couldn't have done it. But God says, I will go with you. I love what God says at the end of 12. 12. I mean, we're almost done. At the end of verse 12, God says this. After he says, I will be with you. He says, and this shall be token unto thee. That I sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, he shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses and God go back and forth for the chapter. I've explained a little bit of their discourse. But finally, Moses says, okay, God, you're in charge. I submit to you. And you're going to do it through me. So Moses goes. Can you imagine? Exodus 19 comes. The, the plagues hit Egypt. Egypt is delivered. Or Israel is delivered. And they wander for a while and they come to this place called Mount Sinai. Because where Moses had this discussion with God, God calls him Moses and Horeb and, Horeb and Sinai, they're, they're interchangeable. They're, they're the same place. This place called Sinai, and I, I could just imagine Moses walking to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, children of Israel behind him. And I think his mind went back to this moment. Where God says, Moses, it's not about, about you. you. You can't do it on your own. But, but I can do it through you. And Moses and now Moses is standing in the same place. But this time, he's got an entire nation in him. Because God, said, God did what he wanted him to do. Because God's plan will never fail. Father, God, thank you so much that you have plans for us. You could have saved us, said, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter anymore. But you love us enough that you want to use us to complete our purpose on this world.